Well, good morning. As, um, as Pastor Alec uh, said so kindly earlier, um, I have the privilege of being one of the elders here at One City Church. Um, I stepped into eldership uh, in January of this year, expecting uh, the role to be difficult. <laughs> Couldn't really have, have predicted or known at the time that in March our world would shut down and church would cease to meet for a time and we would be dealing with the challenges uh, that came with that. Uh, but even still, with the, the difficulties of what the past uh, six months have been, it's, it's just really a joy and a great privilege to serve in that role here. So um, thank you, and, and thanks for the opportunity to share this morning. Um, so as you know, if you've been here, if you've been watching online over the past couple of months, we've been spending time in the book of Ephesians. And Alec is going to continue where he left off uh, last week in the coming weeks. Um, but I didn't want to leave the book all together this morning. I think it's uh, I think it's helpful for us as we, as we study through a book, um, for us to stay there, to meditate on, on what the Lord is, is saying. And so we are going to stay in Ephesians this morning, um, but rather than continuing uh, through where Alec left off, we're going to look at two different passages um, this morning. So if you, want, if you have a Bible with you, if you could please open to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll start there, and we'll also uh, jump over to Ephesians chapter 4 a little later on. Um, and so this morning, as we uh, take a little bit of a step back um, and look at Ephesians again, uh, I want to do that this morning in, in, in a way that helps us to consider the question, how should we as Christians respond in troubled times? As, as I mentioned, and, and you all know very intimately, uh, we are in a challenging time um, in many different aspects of, of our culture and in our world um, with the, the COVID-19 pandemic going on. And so I wanna, I wanna look this morning at um, what our response and what our responsibility is as Christians in this difficult time. So before we jump in, uh, would you pray with me? God, I thank you, um, Lord, that you are at work as, as Pastor Alex said, Lord, that you, um, that there is, number one, nothing that's outside of your control. Um, no pandemic, um, no divisiveness, no political um, seasons are outside of your control. And, and even more than the details of what's going on in our world, you, um, you exist for your glory and you have commissioned us to work to build your kingdom. So we thank you that your church, um, that we have the, the opportunity to meet here in person and online as your church to study your word this morning. Uh, Father, I am um, on my own incapable and insufficient, but Lord, you uh, authored every word that we will read this morning from your scripture. And so Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit to be um, amongst those who are hearing um, bringing clarity where it's lacking and, and speaking to our hearts. Thank you and praise you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Um, so as of, as of today, it's been 170 days, 170 days since Lancaster County uh, was first required to kind of shut down and, and stay at home. 
Um, that came at, right at the end of March as the number of COVID cases in our area began to, sp to spike. Um, and I think we can all acknowledge that this time has been uniquely challenging, uh, both in our personal and professional lives, but also for our church. Um, I think we feel this because as people, we are made in the image of God, who is in and of himself a communal God. There's uh, three uh, equal parts and, and perfectly existing in harmony. And we're created to, to mirror that by living in community with one another and in relationship with others. And, and God has instilled in us that deep desire to be known and to be close to others and, and to also know others in return um, and to, to love one another. And so distance and separation that we've felt over the past um, six months has naturally worked against uh, the benefits of what comes from, from living that out. Life spent physically separated from those we love is difficult, and it, it really presents challenges to which there's no perfect solution. Really, you know, we all know at this point that a Zoom meeting doesn't replace um, sitting around a table with brothers and sisters. And so we have, during this past uh, six months, walked through this challenge, sometimes well and sometimes not very well. Um, as believers, we know that even before this pandemic started, that the world is in constant need of the hope that is found in Jesus. Um, but in this moment, I think we're seeing something unique in that kind of around the world, people are being brought close to this idea that life is fragile, um, that our time is short, and that relationships are important. Some of the things that we've, we've known. Um, it, it's felt in some ways like things have been taken out of our control, whether you believe in Jesus or not. I think we can agree with that. And so, of course, we as believers know this has been true. This is why we cling to one another as the church and why we uh, seek to build, build one another up and push each other towards Christ. Um, but in the past six months, I think a lot of the things that our society uses to distract ourselves from, from thinking about these difficult things have been stripped away. Um, and even for those, those of us who know Jesus, uh, this has been difficult. Um, and if your experience is like mine, at times it's felt like hope is hard to come by. And so I want, I want to describe a little bit this morning as we start um, what my personal experience has been over the past six months. And in the hope that in hearing that, you'll be able to identify um, with that in the, the sort of human response to to this, and then we'll turn to Paul's letter uh, to the Ephesians for a scriptural um, and God-honoring answer to the question, how should we respond in, in this time of trouble? Um, so what, what has my experience been like in this uh, strange time? So to put it very simply, um, very early in the shutdown, God used the removal of distractions from my life to reveal to me that I had slowly let my priorities get out of line. And I want to describe a couple of specific ways uh, that that happened for me. And I uh, encourage you to listen and, and hear if, if any of these relate to you as well. Uh, so the first place that I felt this, and um, rightly so, was with work. Um, we live in a culture that values and rewards in, uh, independence, hard work, self-sufficiency. And these are noble traits, I think, that, that can be used to, to give glory to God. Um, but too often, I think, in, in our culture, uh, we, we let those rise to the top. God can use our, 
Vocational work is a means to prov provide for our needs and our families. But over time in my life, I had taken that gift that God had given of the, the ability to work and I had closed my hand around it. Um, I started to see it not as a, a gift uh, to, be, to, to be used for God's glory, but as the work of my own hand. And then overnight, that work was interrupted and I felt my confidence being shaken. Um, the, the confidence that I had in, in the ability to work and provide was replaced with uncertainty, um, and I felt hope slipping a little bit with that. And I know that for many in our church, maybe some in this room or watching at home, your job situations changed as well. Um, some were laid off temporarily, some lost jobs altogether, um, others were furloughed for a time. Did this happen to you, and, and did you feel your faith uh, shaken in those moments like I did? Um, the other big area of, of my life where I felt the effect or have felt the effect is um, just with the removal of kind of all the distraction and noise that we build into our lives. Um, as a family with two young boys, our, my, my wife and I, our life is busy. Um, we try to balance work and, and raising our sons and cultivating our marriage, um, seeing family and building friendships, and really there's not much time left over usually. Uh, and with that little time that's left over, it's easy to kind of unplug and just, you know, watch TV or kind of disconnect and, and call it rest. But I don't think it's really restful. Um, it's just distraction. And so again, just like work, some of these things are good things um, that I've mentioned, but not when they distract us from what's most important. Um, that being our identity and call as Christians. Um, before March hit, if we, were, if we ever had like a Saturday coming up and we looked at the calendar and there was nothing written there, we were, we were surprised um, to have a free day and we wondered what we would do with it. Um, but then overnight, our, our calendars were cleared, um, events were canceled, get-togethers postponed, um, and we were left with time, more time than we were used to, to, to kind of sit uh, together and sit before the Lord. Now, to use an, an illustration of how this felt in my life, and maybe you can relate, um, it felt to me like that common scene from cartoons, maybe show of hands, who knows who Wile E. Coyote is? I don't know if this is an age thing. Okay, so most, most people know Wile E. Coyote, but um, maybe it's happened in other cartoons as well. But um, in this cartoon, the character would run towards a cliff and be running at full speed and run over the edge of the cliff, and for a, for a split second, their legs and arms are still, uh, still moving, still pumping, and they move a little bit further out into the cliff or off the cliff. Um, and then there's this kind of split second moment where they stop and they kind of look around and they take stock of the fact that they're in big trouble. Um, and then gravity finally takes effect and, and down they go. And, and I feel like in a way, spiritually and, and, and emotionally, uh, that describes a little bit of what that moment was like for me, and maybe you felt the same. Um, it was a moment where the striving and the distraction and the busyness were stripped away, um, and I think in that discomfort, I felt, you know, felt myself asking, what, what has my foundation been? What is the ground that I've been standing and running on? Has it been the solid, unshakable ground that Jesus Christ provides, or is it a mountain of shifting sand uh, constructed of my own effort? Um, and so I won't ask for a show of hands, but, but I trust that some 
uh, who are hearing me this morning have felt the same. Has this pandemic provided that moment for you? Have you found yourself asking those tough questions? Well, this morning I want to look at Ephesians um, to see how God might use this letter in a, in a broad sense uh, to speak into this unique moment in our lives. Uh, before we do that, I want to rem- remind us quickly of the context of this letter because I think it's important um, for, this, for this message. So at the time of receiving this letter, the church, the Ephesians, uh, the church in Ephesus wasn't in a particularly hard time or season that we know of. Paul does speak to unity and, and uh, the purpose of the, the church. So uh, it may have just been kind of a, a letter to a church that he knew, but we don't know of any specific hardship they were facing. Um, but if you remember, Paul himself, as he wrote this letter, was in a, in a uniquely difficult situation. Paul, as he, as he reminds us in verses, or chapter 3, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, and again in chapter 6, Paul was imprisoned at the time uh, of writing this letter. He was in a Roman prison. And if you know anything about Paul from, from studying the scripture, he was a doer, right? He was a really active servant of the Lord. He was one of the first missionaries, the planter of many churches, a man who traveled far and wide to reach Gentile nations for, for Christ. And I just imagine how difficult it must have, have been for him um, to have his work stopped against his will. As a prisoner, Paul found himself unable to actively pursue his ministry calling in the way that he was used to doing that. And so I imagine that uh, Paul in his prison cell would have had opportunity to think through some of the challenges that we're thinking through now. The details um, and work specific work of his life had, had been stopped, not by circumstance, but by force. Um, and I should note that I guess his ministry didn't completely stop because he did write a letter that ended up being in the canon, <laughs> being uh, a part of the Bible. So that's, that's productive work as well. Um, but it's his missionary work and his traveling was, was brought to a, a halt here. Um, and so this is the place from which this book that we're going to read some from today is written. Uh, not two people in a dire situation necessarily, but from a man who was in one himself. Um, and so having been written from that place, this book, I think, offers us a unique and timely view of the Christian life and a response to hard circumstances. So we're going to jump in and uh, start with in chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look briefly there and then in chapter 4, as, as I mentioned. Um, and we're going to, as we do that, we're going to see that, um, that a, in, according to this letter, Paul's letter to, to, uh, to the uh, Ephesian church and, and God's word to us, uh, we, should, we should be doing two things in this time. Number one, we should be remembering who we are in Christ. And number two, we should be living as countercultural examples in this world. So first, uh, to remember who we are in Christ. So we're going to re- start reading in uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. And we're going to go through verse 9 with a stop along the way. So if you have your Bible, read along with me. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, 
and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I want to take a pause here um, in the discomfort of these verses to let that, the truth of what Paul is saying here and what the Lord is saying to us this morning sit with us for a moment. I described a moment um, just a little bit ago that when the distractions of my life were stripped away, I was kind of in that wily coyote moment, suspended in the air with no ground to stand on. Um, Well, the truth for me uh, is that I, I wasn't prepared for that moment. And in that, I, in that discomfort, I found uh, that the depression that I've wrestled with since adolescence and into adulthood started to take root. With all of you know, my distractions and striving stripped away, I started to hear the whispers of Satan telling me that I'm inadequate, uh, that my faith is fraudulent, that I can do nothing to please God. Has your mental health suffered in the past six months? Have you heard these whispers too? It's difficult to read, to, to stop here in, in, uh, after verse three and to let that sit, but it's, it's truly one of the reasons that I love this passage so much. Paul is showing us here that the same things that Satan would use to discourage us are actually the truths on which the beauty of the good news of Jesus rests. Paul, sitting alone in in his prison cell, is painfully aware of his own insufficiency at the moment. And he's also aware of where his story started. But thankfully, that's not the end. That's not the end for Paul, and that's not the end for us. And so he continues on in verses 4 through 9, saying, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. What beautiful, beautiful truths Paul is, is Uh, giving us here, and and the Lord is speaking to us this morning, that God is rich in his mercy, that he uh, loved us, that when we are dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with him, uh, that he has seated us with him in heavenly places, that he, in the coming ages, is is going to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace, How, how sweet that is. In the context that we've been studying uh, of, of Ephesians, Paul, we know that Paul spends the first three whole chapters um, of this letter reminding us of who we are in Christ. And this is just a little piece of that. And so I'd encourage you this week as you think about this to, to continue to meditate um, on the whole of chapters one through three and read through that. Um, but Paul, in a, in a Roman prison, unable to do the things that he was used to doing for the Lord, realized that the glory of his salvation had everything to do with God and nothing to do with him. Verses 8 and 9, which are so familiar and sweet to us, say, By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. What a timely reminder for us in this difficult time. How humbling to know that even at our most effective 
and most efficient moment, there's nothing that we can do to earn God's salvation. But God, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus, has brought us from death to life. And that, church, is the only truth that can create in us unshakable hope. Not the hope that things will get back to normal in our culture, um, not the hope that we won't get sick ourselves, not the hope that worries, worry will sub- subside, but rather that if we were, even if we were to die tomorrow, that the coming ages will still be spent showing the Im- immeasurable riches of the grace and, and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And so we see, uh, and so we see uh, Paul's reminder to us um, in difficult times to remember who we are and what we have in Christ. And so when that truth sinks in, it brings peace and hope that, that can't be shaken. If I had walked into the pandemic meditating on this, I believe um, that, that my heart and my faith wouldn't have, have felt that, that wavering. Um, and, we, and praise God, we'll have uh, eternity to, to sit together in the presence of him and enjoy um, the beauty of what he's done for us for eternity. Um, but in the meantime, God has us here on earth with all of its struggles and brokenness and sin. And so in these, these difficult times, we can't simply look inward and, and rest in what God has done for us. We need to then uh, take our gratitude for what he's done and, and go into the world as his ambassadors. And so, as, as Alec has pointed out in past weeks, um, chapters four through the end of this book are, um, are Paul giving us some of those practical instructions um, rooted in who we are in Christ. How are we then to act in the world? Um, and so, simply put, um, I, th- I believe that, that Paul is telling us that in difficult times, uh, out of the, the thankfulness for what he's done for us, we are to live as countercultural examples in this world. In the, in the passage that we just read in, in chapter 2, um, Paul highlights who we are in Christ by pointing to and describing who we were before we knew Christ and before we heard the call of the Lord. In chapter 2, he used words like dead in our trespasses and living in the passions of our flesh. And as you turn over to um, chapter 4, um, starting in verses 17, you'll see that Paul picks up on this theme of the old self versus the new self. So these, these two passages that, that we're reading are, are very connected. It's a continuation. Here in chapter 4, he's not, he's not simply trying to help us remember who we are in Christ. He's trying to give us practical instruction and wisdom um, in how we can live out this uh, being covered by this new self. And so in verses 17 to 21, he, he describes the old self um, by saying things like uh, those in the old self are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, uh, heart of heart, they have, they're callous, they've given them this, themselves up uh, to their sinful passions. And so he's describing again uh, what that old self is like. But he's using that here to set up um, verses 22 to 32 
in, in the description and, uh, and some of these practical things that we can, um, that we can implement to, to help put on this new self. So let's read that together, starting in, in verse 22. Um, Paul says that we are to uh, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So this is a long list, and, and we could spend weeks um, unpacking the practicality of what Paul is laying out here, um, and, and perhaps Alex is going to do that in the, in the coming weeks. Um, but for this morning, I just want to kind of take all of these things in, in one broad stroke, um, and really to see that individually these feel like simple and subtle um, commands, uh, but put together how uh, a person who is living these things out, um, how co- countercultural they will really appear. Um, and before I do that, I just want to remind, remind us again, that as we just talked about in chapter two, um, that, that Paul is clear about our salvation not coming from our works. And so as we talk about the ways that we are respond, to respond to Christ, um, just remember that this is out of uh, gratitude and, and a desire to live life for him, but, but have nothing to do with earning uh, the salvation that we, that we have. Um, so you'll notice in verse 23 that Paul starts by encouraging us to be renewed by the spirit of our minds. And I think it's really important that he starts here uh, because this is describing the disciplines of spiritual growth. We cannot be transformed in the renewing of, of our minds from all the corrupt things that he said we embraced in our former self unless we are replacing uh, that mind space and replacing those, those thoughts and motivations with thoughts and motivations that are of the Lord. And the only way that we can do that is um, by reading and meditating and, and hiding his word in our heart, by reading his word and spending time in prayer and in fellowship with one another. And so I think it is Im- important that he starts there and, and that should be our first, uh, that should be where we start as well. Uh, but with that foundation in place, he gets a little more practical. I just want to go through these really quickly, um, and you can follow along. In verse 25, he says to put away falsehood and to speak truth. In verse 26, he says, if you're angry, don't act out of that emotion. Try to make amends as, as quickly as possible. In verse 28, he says, don't steal. Instead, work honestly. And interestingly, also counterculturally, he says that as you work honestly and you have um, the reward of that, it's, it's ultimately said that you might be able to give to someone else who's in need. 
In verse 29, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Use only words that build others up. And in verse 30, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Or, or in other words, don't willingly harbor and feed hidden sin that, that, um, that breaks the heart of God. In verse 31, he says, don't be bitter. Don't be wrathful. Don't be angry. Don't slander others. Don't act out of malice. In verse 32, he says, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, and forgive one another. And so I think if, if you, like I said, if you were to take each one of these on their own, it seems like a simple behavior modification. Um, but when you take all of these together and you, and you kind of compare this to what the world um, allows or, or sometimes rewards, you'll see how countercultural this is. Almost all of these things, the, the negative side of all of these things, are, are things that are either typically accepted in our culture or at least easily excused. And so let's, let's look back through those and, and see the way that some of those things get explained. Um, verse 25, put away falsehoods. We, we're, we're quick to excuse a little white lie as long as it's not... Um, as long as it's not too harmful or, or have too many implications. Um, anger and grudges can be justified if there's enough reason given on the other side in that argument. Um, there's, there's some who believe that if you need to cheat to get ahead, that's okay. And when you make money uh, based on that, that's for you and not for others. Um, tearing people down with words is, is more common um, than, than not doing that. Um, at the water cooler, over the phone and text, it's easy to, to use words that tear people down. Um, about grieving the Holy Spirit or, or hiding sin, our culture would say to us, whatever you do in secret is, is fine with me if you're not hurting someone else. Uh, you've heard people say, to each their own. Um, bitterness, anger, and slander, and maliciousness um, again, are, are at times rewarded um, or, or at least excused when there's good enough reason given. And this is true, I believe, of, of humans throughout all of history. We are, we are sinful people. We're selfish, and we, uh, we look for ways to, to serve ourselves. Um, but maybe you'll agree with me. I think the divisiveness in our communities and in our culture is at an all-time high during this pandemic. Um, everyone seems to be on edge. Everyone seems to be digging in and doubling down on their personal version of what is good and right. And it's gotten really, really messy. And church, we need to avoid, um, because of what Christ has done for us, we need to avoid entering into uh, discussion with culture in that posture. If we truly embody the, the, the simple, practical things that Paul is, is saying um, to us and encouraging us to do here, I believe that we will stand out um, as countercultural in our world. And that, friends, is our, is our calling as those who profess, uh, who profess Christ, as those who have been brought from death to life, as those who have put off the former self and put on the new self, a new identity in Christ. Um, God has called us to remain here 
on this earth and in this moment um, to allow him to use our lives to point others to him so that others might uh, see in us something different and, and ask about that. And not to see us, but to see Christ in us. And what an honor it would be if, if we could speak hope to our, our hurting world uh, through that example. Um, as I was thinking about this, I was, I was reminded of um, 1 Peter 3.15, um, where, where we read, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect. So what are, what are some ways that God might be asking you to model some of these practic- practical applications? Is it within your family relationships? Is it at work? Is it on social media? Is it within our church relationships? Is it um, as we engage in political discussions? Where might God be asking you to to um, check, check your heart against what he's telling us here. I believe, church, that if we, if we do this, uh, we, truly, we truly can be a countercultural example. Um, and I also know that um, and believe that, that God has given us this local body of the church to encourage one another in this, in this effort. We're not alone in this. We are together in this, united by what Christ has done for us. Um, and so I'd ask you as we close to bow your heads, and I'm going to lead us uh, through a time of prayer with some, um, with some quiet moments just to think through and, and take before the Lord some of what we're hearing uh, from Ephesians this morning. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you first and foremost for uh, your grace to us the love that you showed us in, in sending and allowing Jesus um, to live the life we couldn't live and die the death that we deserve. Father, we're so encouraged just to remember and be reminded this morning of who we are in, in you because of Jesus. We also know and recognize, Lord, that you have, have put us in this world and, and uh, knowing that we would be in this moment as your people. And as we read um, Paul's encouragement to this church and to us um, about practical ways that we can be countercultural and, and point to you, uh, Lord, I, I just ask that you would help us to do that. And in the, the quietness of our hearts now, Father, I just um, ask that the Holy Spirit would come and help uh, to reveal to us areas of our life where we're still holding on to the old self. Spend a few minutes just um, taking that before the Lord. Where, where might you be still holding on to the old self? God, we thank you that you, um, that in your mercy, you don't just save us, but you change us. Uh, Lord, that you allow us to know you more deeply and to follow you. Lord, I, um, I pray that in this next moment of silence, Lord, that you would reveal to us uh, where 
where current actions that we're engaged in look more like the world than what we see here uh, you calling us to. Father, as we go from this place this afternoon and um, as we take this with us, Lord, I pray that you would um, keep this, this call of you on our hearts to remember who we are in Christ and to live as countercultural examples in our world. Would you continue, Lord, to, to reveal to us um, both through the Holy Spirit working in our hearts personally, but also uh, through moving forward as a body of believers. Uh, would you continue to mold us to be more like you? And God, would you uh, grant us boldness and confidence as we become this countercultural example to speak to the hope, God, that we have in you? To lovingly and 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 kind-heartedly um, and winsomely communicate to a broken world, Father, that, um, that in their brokenness, they're right where they need to be to see their need for Jesus. So Lord, we, we thank you. And as we continue worshiping this morning, uh, we're just filled with gratitude for what you've done for us. We want to be your people in this world. And Lord, we ask for your strength to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.